You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Added a little extra note for y'all just to make things exciting today. Don't know if you heard that. I Good went, morning, Adam. I went ding, ding. <laughs> Good morning, Matt. Welcome to day 147, 148. We are moving right along through the Bible in a year. And if you're not reading, that's okay. This is especially, well, this is for everyone, but uh, you are partaking of the oral tradition mm-hmm. that for thousands and thousands of years, people would sit around the fire and talk about the stories God has given us, the places where God has intervened in our lives to save and to purify and to give us purpose and meaning. And the problem is we don't really sit around fires anymore, so Mm -hmm. we make podcasts. So we're glad you're here. (laughs) Where are we today, Mr. Matt? Thank you, Mr. Adam. Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Samuel chapters 19 through 23. are about to get real. Yeah, I had to get a little dark there because, I mean, we got Saul. Saul now is straight up. The wheels are <laughs> falling off the wagon. Saul is straight up trying to kill David. Mm. Why, Saul, why? Why are you trying to kill David? Man. And that's what we'll explore today. <laughs> uh, next season should just be musical renderings yeah. of the stories. So next year... This isn't official. It's a little <laughs> teaser for next year because you know we're 150 days in almost <laughs> uh, out of 365. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should do a musical, a musical of the Bible oh, in man. a year. I could do that. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. But let's get through this one, <clears throat> um, which is the hardest part of, of reading the Bible is getting through it all and not giving up. So we have Saul has like been kind of secretly plotting and has straight up like moments in the middle of a tormenting spirit tried to kill David but now he's just openly talking about it with his leaders and in front of his son Jonathan we need to kill David yes David David's a problem and uh Jonathan fortunately being he just is awesome best friends with David and being with the Lord yeah Jonathan is just so cool um he runs to David and is like well, at first he says, why, Dad? What has David done to you besides defend you and yeah. everything you've asked? And, uh, yeah, he goes and he's like, hey, you need to, you need to stay, keep it secret and keep it safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, go hide. Um, my dad's in a dark place. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to my dad. I'm going to try to talk him off the ledge and see if I can convince him from this course of action. Well, Saul lies. I mean, he lies. He says, he does say, after Jonathan, Saul swore in verse 6, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Yeah. So then Jonathan's like, all right, it might be cool now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And so David does what David does and goes out and strikes down some more Philistines. And he's mm-hmm. just basically the man who's anointed by God and, and winning victories. But then the harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul yep. as he sat in his house, always gripping this pesky spear. Yes. And while David was playing the lyre. And then Saul, all of a sudden, overwhelmed by this, forgets his vow to his awesome son mm-hmm. and just hurls it, hurls the spear at David. It sticks to the wall. I'm just imagining constantly David is throwing the, I mean, Saul is throwing the spear and it's like, doing. Yeah. And also like, he, is he just a bad shot or is the room really big? Like he's missing. I don't know. 
also the Spirit of the Lords with David. Yeah. So I kind of like to imagine David is just like hardcore at well, this point. And David's on guard too, because yeah. this is not the first time it's happened. So you're kind of watching out yeah. for that. This is potentially the third time this has happened. And you know how it is. Like as a quarterback, <laughs> you've got to wind up your arm and yeah. throw the spear. It's like a javelin, you know? So David's getting out of the way. And then... Uh, so he, he, he goes, he escapes to his house and Saul's like, puts David's house on like watch. He has guards around like, we're going to kill him when he comes out. But um, oh, Michelle yes! is like, Michelle, hey, um, my dad's crazy. He's trying to kill you. So I'm going to help you escape out out the window, and I'm going to make a little uh, fake okay. dummy. Story time. Story time with Adam that's relevant to the scripture. I had a roommate in college because I went to a college <laughs> where there was a curfew, <laughs> a Bible Christian yeah. college, yeah. and I had a friend. Shall not be named. Shall not be, shall remain nameless. But he, he put a soccer ball in his bed and like made it look like he was in bed. So when they came in to check, he was on the lowest. It was a triple bunk, the lowest one. They just looked in, lights were kind of dim. It looked like someone was there. And the, the guy said, and we all knew he was doing it, the two of us in the room. And we're like, oh, no. But he told us, don't lie for me. Don't just, don't say anything. So the guy goes, good night, Pete. Pete was the guy's name. I can say his name now. And Pete said nothing. And he goes, good night, Pete. And then we just sat there quietly going, oh, no. And then the, uh, the guy who's in charge says, is Pete all right? And then my other roommate cracked. He just goes, yeah, he's not feeling well. And I was shaking my head silently in the dark going, don't say anything, man. And he goes, okay. And he just walks out. Because what Pete had done, he did all this to sneak out to a Petra concert. Oh. Yeah, huh. a little Christian rock music. So uh, just enough confusion to get us on this story. So Michelle does the same thing, though. Yeah. So I didn't know Pete got this from the Bible. That is great. So she dresses <laughs> up a pillow and a goat's hair and a head, its head, a goat's head with its covered in clothes. Like, she uses an image. Okay, not a real goat. Yeah. And they bring the bed to Saul, right? Uh. They said, bring no, him no. up to me. Uh, in bed, in the bed, that I may kill him. Bring him up to me in the bed. That I may, and went, oh, they came in, and oh, they no, they go in to the, they break into the house, they go to grab the bed, and they find that it's not really right. David. And so, once again, Saul is foiled by a child by of his. his. Yeah. Michelle, why did you do this? Let me go. And then he said to, um, Michelle answered, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? And so now David flees and escapes once again, and he comes to <clears throat> Samuel, where a really interesting thing happens. So, so David's instincts are always to go to the Lord, go yeah, to the Yeah, I love high, his instincts. The priests and the prophets. He goes there, and, um, and Saul is kind of still looking for him, trying to figure it out. Meanwhile, as Samuel's standing over them, the Spirit of God came upon them. All right, all right. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'll yeah. let you go. You so, go. so Saul finds out right. David's with Samuel. Knew it. Knew Samuel was against me. Right. And so he sends out companies of men to go take Samuel and David at this point. He's like, I should have gotten rid of Samuel when I had the chance. Yeah. So, so the the troops go, and when they get in front of Samuel, uh, the spirit of God comes upon all the messengers of Saul, and they start to prophesy. And then, and then Saul finds out about that. So then he sends more. He's like, Fine, I'll send more guards. 
And again, the same thing happens. They get in front of Samuel, and the Spirit of God rushes on them, and they're like, start prophesying in front of Samuel. Basically preaching, pronouncing God's glory, yeah. worshiping. Like, they're falling down <clears throat> and worshiping because the Spirit of God, that's what the Spirit of God does. It mm-hmm. leads us to God. So now, Saul's like, fine, I will do it myself. Yeah. And so Saul goes, finds where they are, and then the Spirit of God came upon him also, as he went and he prophesied until he came to Ramah, and he strips his clothes and lays in front of Samuel prophesying all night. Saul? Saul. Crazy. So this is the second time that we get the, the Spirit of God rushing upon Saul. Mm-hmm. The first time was a sign that he had been anointed by God and he was to save Israel and be the next king. Mm-hmm. And now we have the Spirit of God rushing upon Saul, and he is removing his royal garments, lying in front of Samuel, prophesying to the Lord. And now it's, he's, the Spirit of God is removing him from office. He removes the clothes, like in a symbol yes. of, I am abdicating the throne, and God is no longer with me, I'm no longer the Lord's Which is one. a big deal to take off those royal robes. <clears throat> and, uh, and really... The Spirit of God neutralizes his mm-hmm. hatred, his anger, his demonic possession mm-hmm. to a degree, and is there laying naked before Samuel. And the saying that was made at the beginning of Saul's the reign, which first is, time, which is, is Saul really a prophet too? Yeah. Uh, is repeated now, but in an even more negative yeah. uh, way, because it's like, Oh, man, Saul's lost it. Right. The first time is Saul among the prophets is, wow, who is this guy? Yeah. This is something good. Uh This time it's more of a... Derogatory. Yeah. Oh, he's not a king, and we know he's not a prophet. prophet. Yeah. And so... (laughs) So... So now David... And and Saul is, like, vulnerable at this point, but Samuel and David... Don't kill him. Don't kill him. They leave him, and David actually flees. He runs away because he's like, "I, I can't. And so Jonathan meets up with him, and David's like, what have I done? Why, am I, why is he trying to kill me? And, he's, and Jonathan is, like, super sad and upset about it, and he's trying to figure this out. And he's like, look, just listen to me. Go out into this field. I'm going to go. There's this festival. The New Moon Festival is about to happen. I'm going to sit with my dad. I'm going to try to figure out if he really wants you dead or not. Well, Jonathan is so cool. He goes, there's a step between me and death is the line. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, we're going to figure this out. Yeah. Right? And so they're at that step. And, and so they well, they're ha- at the festival. They're at the festival. David's seat at the king's table is empty. And Saul do- notices it, but he doesn't really make a mention of it because it's the first day. It's a, like a week-long festival. And he just thinks, oh... David, he's a man of war. He probably did something that made him unclean, so he's not able to. Because, yeah. like, again, if we remember Leviticus, if you kill something or touch something dead, you're unclean before the Lord, and you can't partake in any of the religious festivals. Which is always so sinister, because the things of God are totally <clears throat> mixed up with mm-hmm. the things of man and the earthly kind of uh, pagan stuff. So you can be... He's totally ravaged with anger, noticing mm-hmm. David's gone. Because he wants to kill him, but at the same time, keeping like using the laws of God mm-hmm. to be like, well, he's unclean. Maybe that's an excuse. Well, he also knows yeah. David is a guy who's going to yeah. follow God's law. Yeah. So he's like, okay, whatever. Doesn't doesn't notice really the first day. But then day two, David's still not there, and he's like, okay. And Jonathan wants to figure out 
David, if my dad's going to kill you or not. Yeah. And so now um, Saul is, like, upset and is like, where is David? And then a great uh, scene here of friendship and risk. And Jonathan sets up the, uh, the scene where he goes, look, after I spend a couple days with my mm-hmm. father, I'll come out and tell you. He comes up with a plan to say, I'll shoot an arrow. If I send the boy to go beyond to get the arrow, yeah, it means, means get out of here. If it's not beyond and I say, I'll get it, basically I'll just come and get you and mm-hmm. say it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he doesn't know that yet. Yeah, so day two, Saul's like, where's David? Uh, why is he not come yesterday or today? And Jonathan's like, well, David asked to go to Bethlehem to be with his family, and he wanted to partake in the festival there at Bethlehem with his family. Mm. And uh, and Saul gets really angry at he Jonathan. He loses it. He loses it. He, he says, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. And he basically accuses uh, his wife, Saul's wife, Jonathan's mother, yeah. of being a prostitute. Right. He in front of Jonathan and all of the pe- the elders at the table. At a festival. At a festival before the Lord, and like shames and humiliates his son. This is the worst Thanksgiving ever. Yeah, in front of everyone, and Jonathan like loses his cool, and he's like, "Why are you trying to kill David? He's our friend. What has he done? He's only been um, good to you." And then John, and then Saul. Grabs that spear again and throws it at his son. Yep. And tries to kill him. And I think every time Saul throws a spear, we should take a drink <laughs> of coffee. <laughs> and like, and he misses, of course, classic Saul. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and Jonathan <laughs> dodges, gets out of the way. Well, because Jonathan and David are like totally cool. Yeah. I wonder how many people Saul killed like that. Oh. Who I, weren't as fierce geez. warriors as David and Jonathan. <laughs> who knows? Oh, man. And so, the food tasters. Like, and so back now turned. Jonathan's like, Gets up from the table and he's like, I'm done here. Yeah. <laughs> he's just uh, like, I'm out. So then in the morning. You hear the, the chair, like, yeah. just back up. He's like, <laughs> I'm done here. After the sword goes, <laughs> here's your sword, dad. <clears throat> so in the morning, Jonathan goes out and keeps the appointment with David. He says to the boy, run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the boy ran, he, he does the thing. And so Jonathan and, uh, long story short, Jonathan and David have this moment, really great moment, where uh-huh. they basically are weeping. They love each other. They're just like friends, best friends, uh-huh. who know things are rough. Things are rough. And, and I might not see you again. And I'm, my I, dad I, tried to kill me. He's trying to kill you. I'm and so he, sorry. He makes a very important vow that will yes. come up later. And Jonathan says, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And so he's basically saying, look, when you take the throne, I know you're going to be the next king. He says that earlier. Yeah. And he says, look, just remember my offspring. Remember, like, honor them, protect them, love them, because I loved you. Right. And and then David uh, uh, goes, leaves, and then Jonathan goes back. Into the city. And Jonathan does say, go in peace. You know, Mm -hmm. we've sworn in the name of the Lord. Jonathan is faithful to Mm -hmm. God and to his friend David. David's faithful to him. They separate. So now David is officially on the run. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I think he's going to be running from Saul now for a solid 12 years. So, you know, four four years in college doesn't seem so bad to get to that career that you've always wanted. I know, like, so he's anointed. Of feeling like a failure. 12 years of feeling like a failure. And who knows how long he's 
been serving Saul right since his anointment since he's been a kid and and then now he's running from the land uh, he's like running from Saul he goes to uh, this town called Nob which was a a city of priests yeah. and he goes to Ahimelech the priest and the priest comes before he sees David and David came into the city unannounced with with his men and Ahimelech is like something's up like what's going on like I and he's kind of he's he's suspect and David is like oh Saul sent me on like a secret mission so yeah. it is interesting David's kind of like being a little deceptive he's being so here's how we here. here's how we handle this because I know we like to be everything we strive to be very moral and do everything yeah. upright but there are times when um, God doesn't necessarily ordain and say go lie David yeah. but David is clever and is surviving. And there's human necessity, mm-hmm. which sometimes overwhelms. Like you'll see Rahab lying about mm-hmm. about the spies, or you'll see David here saying not the full truth. I'm on a secret mission, and like technically, it's so secret Saul doesn't know <laughs> because the mission is for him to kill me. So it's all very fuzzy there, and it's not what we we make our lives around how David handled this instant. And very few of us are running for our lives, but yeah. for us, the most general and ridiculous. Analogy is, you know, it's it's uh, World War II hiding yeah, Jews yeah, yeah. from people who want to kill them, and you well, have this is a Jew in hiding. So. We, right, <laughs> this is the first <laughs> this is the first Jew in hiding, and so it really is though. Um, it's life is valued more mm-hmm. than the uh, letter of the law at this mm-hmm. point. It's the spirit of the law, and so David is valuing his life. Doesn't let a uh, What's his name? Ahimelech? Ahimelech. Know Under, the full story. Full story. So then, to make things even more confusing, yeah. David says, give me the bread of presence. Well, he doesn't ask for the bread of presence. Okay. He says, do you have anything to eat? Yeah. He's like, my men and I, we had to leave in such a hurry right. that we didn't have any time to pack supplies, so do you have any bread? And the priest is like, very honest, and it's a city of priests, and they're like, the only bread we have is bread dedicated to the Lord. Is this a city of refuge? It isn't. It isn't. But okay. it's being like... It's a Levitical place. But it is though. a Levitical yeah. city. Okay. And so they're like, the only the only bread we have is the one that sits in front of the Lord. So, I mean, and that, that bread is supposed to be consumed on a daily basis. Like, it sits in front of the Lord. Then at the end of the day, you eat it, and then you, you replace it with more bread. And right. so they're like, that's the only bread we have in this city. And so, but they're like... But out of necessity, you need it, so we're going to give it to you. And they'll make some more. And and, uh, and so the priests give it to David. David doesn't ask. He just asks for bread. Right. And so he gives it. They give it to David. And uh, then That's important, though, because it's oh, a priestly decision. And the priests ask, are your men clean? Right. And when you're at war, one of the things you're supposed to do is you're supposed to abstain from sexual activity. Right. And, and David's like, oh, yeah, like we follow the Lord in all his ways. And he, we're clean. Don't worry. Like we, we are, we value that stuff. Yeah. And so, the priest's like, okay. And then he also asks, do you have any weapons? Because we had to leave in such a hurry. We don't have any weapons. And he's like, well, the only weapon we have is of Goliath. We have sword. His Goli- Goliath sword, the one that you used to kill him with. The one with the fourteen pound <laughs> uh, kettlebell at the end of it. Yeah, we have that one. And so David's like, cool. So. Just imagine this. For the 12 years that he's running, he has Goliath's giant sword it's pretty great. strapped to him, and he's running around with that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Also, David <clears throat> is a beast. He's in great shape. Yeah. But and so 
David does note that um, Doag the Edomite, which is one of Saul's chief herdsmen, right. he notices, oh, that guy's in this town. And he sees him, and he doesn't really say anything, and he's like, hmm. But we gotta get out of here. All right, well, we gotta go. Someone will tell Saul. <clears throat> well, the one thing I want to note, too, is Jesus uses this. They're, the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he gives the argument, of David eating the bread mm-hmm. and how that's a, a break. Yes. That's a not legal. Why, why did your priests allow that to happen? And the point is that there are times when human necessity gives way to the ceremonial law. Yes. And so Jesus says, look, you can call that. First of all, I'm not breaking the law because mm-hmm. I'm bringing life, which is the whole point of the temple and, or the tabernacle sacrifice. I'm bringing the life of God, uh, and not what everybody else does, which is, corruption like Mm -hmm. sexual corruption Mm -hmm. or taking the goods for themselves like this is the opposite and so they can't the pharisees can't fight this argument from jesus about Mm -hmm. david eating this bread it's just it's pretty cool to see it in its full context and understandable why the pharisees are the guys who know the law are unable to battle over this point with jesus because they're like oh yeah why did we allow david to do that Um, and we all know saul was bad yeah oh and jesus is saying you guys are saul right now And you're abusing these things because I'm running from you. Yes. So like oh, I'm healing it's so on similar. The, yeah, yeah, it's completely similar. Like I'm healing people on the Sabbath oh, because, because that's what the Sabbath is about. Uh, okay, sorry. Right. There's like some weird family connections there too. Oh. Um, just because Jesus is also from the tribe of Judah. And, oh, yeah. And I, I mean, Saul, the apostle Paul, yeah. Saul was a Benjamite and... And he was a Pharisee, and so... He was trying to kill like all some the, the followers of some Jesus. Some of the Pharisees were probably Benjamites awesome. trying to kill Jesus. Okay. All right, Anyways, we gotta go on. Um, so David does a kind of a risky gambit here. He goes to the king of Gath, the king of the Philistines, uh, Kish, and he goes to him kind of for protection, but I think he, he gets gun-shy here. And he also is carrying uh, the giant sword of Goliath, their dead champion that he killed. So... <laughs> So, like, all the officers of Akish are like, um, isn't what this David? Want? Like, this is the one they sing about where Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed the ten thousands because of that reference of killing us. Well, David heard them say that. Yeah. Like, he heard the old He's song, like, like, oh, that old hit won't leave. Why? It's like, oh, no. It's not, it's never helped me to yeah. hear this praise about how I've <laughs> killed 10,000. So David makes another, like, survival move. And David's so clever. Like, he grew up on the, the not the streets, he grew up on the sheeps <laughs> because school of hard knocks. <laughs> David grew up on the sheeps, man, because... He's able to make a decision of survival, and he just pretends to be crazy mm-hmm. to the point where the king says, uh, he's mad. And do I lack madmen that you've brought this madman to me? Which I love. Like yeah. Every leader is like, look, I'm not in shortage of crazy people. Yeah. So why don't you run along? Run along, David. Run along. So David does. So he's... Kind of, he's out of the territory of God's people now. Yeah. Which is, that's why this is important. Because mm-hmm. David's clever enough to handle being outside of the protection of the promised land. And so then he goes into a cave, the Adullam cave. And, and uh, yeah. And his family 
then goes out and meets him there and joins him there. And so... Oh, this is where he gathers, though. He gets his men. Yeah, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. So all the people who are like, Saul's reign is bogus, man. Yeah, and it's probably mostly from the tribe of Judah. Right. And, uh, but but he has this like ragtag group of 400 guys who are right. kind of like ruffians. Right. Um, and so then David goes from there, once he's got this like group of guys... And he goes to Moab, which is very interesting. And he takes, his, he takes his family to the king of Moab and asks the king to watch over his family. Now, I was thinking about this. His great-grandmother is Ruth, and she's a Moabite. So I think he goes back to Moab to hide his family there mm-hmm. because he has roots yeah, to Moab. maybe. And, he, and he's like, you I know mean, what? he does have roots. You know what? I'm going to have my family stay with you guys because you're the next basic family do I have that I have, and you're far enough away from Saul that you can protect. It's pretty cool. Hopefully we're, you're, we're starting to see how it all, kind like of little m- cities, the little cities in the in the state, in the nation, kind of so are they, they comfortable do. little lily pads to go to. And But then he, a oh, little this note, yeah, Gad. He has prophet. Gad the prophet. See, David is still with prophets, and pre, he respects, mm-hmm. he has faith. And Gad says, you know what? We can't remain uh, in the stronghold. We need to get out of here and go back into the land of Judah. Like, mm-hmm. it's been good. It's good to go to Egypt during a famine. It's good to go to Moab yeah. for a time. But this is not where we're supposed to stay. You're in the promised land, man. Like, so, that's where God wants you. So they went into the forest of Hereth. And then oh, Saul, man. we'll have to kind of cruise through this. Yeah. But essentially, Saul finds out from Doeg, right? Yeah. The sheep herder, his hedge herdsman. So what is Who Saul? is an Edomite yeah. from Esau. Right. right. He's not even like... A, yeah, anyway. He's a violent dude. Mm-hmm. He goes to Ahimelech, who gave the bread to David, mm-hmm. and questions him. And there's a lot of great lines in there. But basically, Ahimelech stands strong and says, I, I was under the impression you were, all, you were a part of this. I didn't know. But even now that I do know, why are you against him? Yeah. And for that, Saul says, he shows his cards, his violent, non-demonic cards. He kills the priests. Yeah, he's like, he tells his guards, kill all the priests. Right. And the guards are like, whoa. They say no. We cannot do that. And again, this is like the people going against Saul's commands. Like, Saul, we can't kill the priests of God. And so Doag, the Edomite's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't have a connection to I, I all care. your stuff. I'm from Esau. And he sees a chance to like, gain some power. And he, he killed 85 persons <clears throat> who wore the linen ephod. Yeah, and then they put the entire city of Nob, both man and woman, he, they devote it to destruction. Infant, ox, donkey, and sheep he put to the sword, like they're Canaanites. Like the Amalekites that he was supposed to put to, to destruction. He can't do that to God's enemies. Saul but he does it to God's people. Saul is straight up a villain. Yeah. I know he he wipes out a city devoted to God, but doesn't wipe out Amalek, whose very name means destruction, who's about our destruction. Yes. And so... But one son got away. Abiathar. Abiathar gets away, and he finds David, and he says... uh, He tells David, and David's like, I knew Doeg was there. And that he would tell Saul. And so I don't think David, though had any idea that Saul was that evil. Yeah, and I, but I mean, David takes responsibility for the deaths. Like, he's like, forgive me. I should, like, I should have known. The deaths are on me. 
You stay with me, and I'll protect you. David's so cool. And he says, look, they're seeking... And this, this is reminiscent of Jesus. For mm-hmm. he who seeks my life seeks your life. Yeah. Jesus says, look, the world hated me first. They're going to hate you. Yeah. So he's like, just be with me, and I'll protect you. Well, we're in the home stretch here, chapter 23. David then... Uh, so st- strikes a deal with the Philistines. No, 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 no. So not yet. Oh, no, no. So here he he is hearing about. Oh, the Philistines are raiding the city Kela. Right. And right. Uh, and so David goes. He <laughs> takes the the priest that he now has, and he's like, "Okay, let's ask the Lord what we should do." And this is again David's leadership difference between him and Saul. Saul is the last. Like that's the last thing that's occurring to him. David's like. No, let's ask the Lord. So he asks the Lord, and the Lord's like, go up and attack the Philistines. And then David still is like honest. He's but like, those guys, his men are like, we're scared. We're scared. Like, we're going to go save the city, but then Saul's going to come after us. But David doesn't listen to his men like <clears throat> Saul would and go, okay, let me try to strike again. He asks the Lord again. He just says, let me ask again. And again, the Lord is like, no, go. He goes, and he strikes them with a great blow, and David saved the inhabitants of Kela. And then... Um, and so then he brings the ephod again after that victory. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so now there's they're in the city of Kela. They've just saved it. They've redeemed it. And then Saul hears, "Oh, David's in Kela. I'm going to go get him." And so David hears about it. And so then he's like, "Bring the ephod again. We're going to ask the Lord for more guidance." And he's like, "Is Saul going to come to get me?" And the Lord's like, "Yes." And then he asks, "Is Kela, the city, are they going to hand me over to Saul?" And the Lord's like, "Yes." And so they're like, okay, well, that's all we need to know. And so they get out of the city. They get out of Dodge. And so Saul gets to the city too late. And uh, David runs into the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul continues to seek him and pursue him through the wilderness. But uh, Jonathan meets up with him in the wilderness and, and is able to find David no problem because he's friends with David. And is like, David... The Lord's with you. Let's. I want to remind you of that. And he strengthens David and encourages him in his time of need. And uh, do you see, <coughs> though, in the end of twenty-three, do you see Saul? He asked the Ziphites. Yeah. So the Ziphites they are rat, aware. They rat out David, and Saul says, "May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me." Yeah. The blood of. 85 priests is on his hands, and now he's giving blessings of the Lord to the Ziphites for turning David. The As if he has any blessings of the Lord to, to give out. Yeah. Horrible. He is so confused. And so oh, David, though, learns about it and, again, escapes. And now they're in this, like, ring around the rosy, around this mountain. Right. Like, uh, Saul's trying to get to him. And then in the middle of this chase... Are you talking about to say Jonathan? No. You already said Jonathan came and talked to him, told him. Sorry. In the middle of the chase, Um, Saul hears, oh, the Philistines are raiding some of your cities. And Saul has to break the chase off and go and face the Philistines. So David has a moment of peace in the wilderness. And that's that's how how it ends. But um, Saul has completely devolved into a demonic character. Yes. I mean, he's to the point of killing God's anointed priests as king of Israel. All right. But the Lord is protecting David, and he protects us from our greatest enemy, death. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it's kind of shocking. we got to stop there. It's been a a great talk on that. Let's move on, right? Yeah. 
Our New Testament reading for today, we are going to do John chapter 17 through chapter 18, verse 24. Well, these, these uh, Old Testament passages are so linked to the New Testament, mm-hmm. it is mind-boggling because uh, what we have now is in chapter 17, Jesus is going to pray for his disciples. Mm-hmm. So um, before his betrayal and arrest, it, the beginning of 17 says, when Jesus had spoken these words, so 13, 14, 15, 16, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. So here we see a heartfelt prayer of Jesus for mm-hmm. his closest companions. I love this chapter mm-hmm. um, because of that, because you see what is in Jesus's heart. And he starts off, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. So give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The, this, is, this is eternal life, that you know, mm-hmm. that you know Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he finishes that little section with... Uh, <clears throat> Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Yeah. Jesus is before the world existed. And again, it. this is a prayer. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on to talk about how I've manifested your name, God, to mm-hmm. your people. I've been, he is the high priest. Yeah. He has proclaimed and manifested the name of God, the glory of God to your people. And, um, and they have kept your word, Father. They're with me. These are my, my boys. They're with mm-hmm. me. And now they know everything that you've given me is from you, mm-hmm. which is what happens to all of us as we are with Jesus. We start to understand in this life that everything is a gift. And then he goes, I've given them the words that you gave me. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm trying not to read it because I love it, but Jesus says, I am praying for them. Mm-hmm. I am not praying for the world, but for those <clears throat> whom you have given me, for they are yours. I know. See, I think we misunderstand. We think like, oh, Jesus loves everyone. Well, he's, he's a brother, mm-hmm. and he's a spouse, and we're his body, and he prays for us. Yeah. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus is glorified in us. I'm no longer going to be in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Keep them in your name. So Jesus' prayer is, keep them in your name. Keep them one, even as we are one. And that's something I started praying about unity. Mm. As the Father mm. is one with the Son, so we are one with the Son. And, then, and so Jesus says, is praying, keep them, guard them, don't let anyone be lost. And now I am coming to you, God. So all of this is in his prayer. I'm coming to you. And these things that I speak, that they may be, um, they, they may have my joy. So he's praying for protection. He's praying for blessing. He's praying for his joy be fulfilled in his disciples. Mm-hmm. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Again, it's like David. Like, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's, it's uh, just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Mm-hmm. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. You see, Jesus is saying, my work here is done. I'm about to be glorified as I was before Mm -hmm. the creation of the world with you, but I'm leaving my spirit so that they may... I'm praying. Jesus is praying. This is how we ought to pray for it. Like, he's given us the Lord's Prayer, but now, like, here's what you ought to pray, but here's what he prays. 
God, protect them. I pray for them special. I pray that they might be sanctified, set apart in the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that they know you, God. And, yeah. and But then he does say, I do not ask for these only, but for, this is the way he prays for you and me in verse 20 and 20. Yeah. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he's even saying all those little Adam and Matt, <clears throat> 2,000 years later, mm-hmm. he's praying for us. Yeah. Like literally Jesus prayed for us right there. I know. I love that. That is really cool. Like I'm asking not only for these, but for all those who will believe. And that's you and me. And then he goes on about the unity and, and the, the love. love. <laughs> Man, the love that God the Father has for the Son that he has that for us too, and, and that, the, that love may be in us. And here's his close. Oh, righteous Father, <laughs> even the world does not know you. I know you, and these know you, that you have sent me. That's us. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them, that the love of God may be manifest. So a lot can be said there, but um, this is, if you want to know what Jesus is praying for you, mm-hmm. read chapter 17. And then, by faith, settle into that. Make that your foundation. Man, Jesus is with you. He is for you. He's praying for your protection. And he's empowering you. Just like Saul took off his robes, mm-hmm. um, the Spirit rushed upon us. Think about Jesus' baptism. It's so important that the Holy Spirit clothes Jesus at yeah. his baptism. Like The Holy Spirit has rushed upon us to save us, but also for a mission to reflect the love of God in Christ now in us. And so then this is contrasted. This is his prayer. For unity. For (laughs) unity, right as Jesus, uh, when Jesus had spoken these words, they went out with his disciples to the Kid Kid Valley where there was a garden. Jesus goes to a garden to pray, and this is when Judas betrays him. Mm -hmm. And they all show up ready to kill Jesus. And uh, in this next section, we go through 18, chapter 18 to all the way to 24. I'm I'm just so in love with... Jesus as a person, yeah, he's, he's so, so cool. He's and honest. Like he just keeps it cool. He like there's so many places where I would be like, "Do you know what I've done for you? I haven't mm-hmm. done this is so. I need my where's my represent? Like I just get so mad mm-hmm. at the injustice, and I'd start trying to defend myself. But Jesus isn't weak. He's not weak. Mm-hmm. He's just cool. Like he's a, the perfect human. You know, he just says, "What? Who do you guys seek? Well, here oh, I am. I love this. This is so. This is unique." in the Gospels of this telling. So he asks, whom do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. And when he says that, they all fall back and fall onto the ground. Jesus says, so we have areas like in his healings and certain times where his divinity Mm -hmm. breaks through. And right here he says, I am. The name Mm -hmm. of God, I am he. Boom, they all fall back. But that doesn't dissuade them. Like if that happened to you or me, we'd all either start worshiping or we'd run away for fear. But these guys have an assignment and so they just get up, and, and then Peter he again says, "Are you?" I think Jesus gives them a chance. Yeah, he says, "Whom do you seek?" They're just getting up off the ground, and they go, "Jesus of Nazareth." And then he's like, "All right, so if you seek me, then let the rest of my disciples go." Yeah. And then Simon jumps up with that sword that he was so excited about. Yeah, and it's not even the sword of Goliath. Yeah, and he's not very good at wielding it. Any. And he strikes out at one of the high priest's servants and cuts off his ear. I think he uses the sword like a fishing net. 
just kind of lunges it at the guy, hits his ear. Most and, people think he's trying to cut off the head. Yeah, and Jesus is like, uh, put your sword, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Yeah, the cup of judgment mm-hmm. and wrath. And then in other accounts, too, we know Jesus actually heals the guy, cleans up after Peter's mess. Yeah. Says Peter, if I wanted, in Matthew, I think he says, if I wanted to go like this, I would have 12 legions of angels fighting for me. He does say it in his conversation with the high priest at one point. But uh, so, yeah, so now the band of soldiers arrest Jesus. They take him to, they first take him to Annas, who is uh, the previous high priest. He wasn't, he's currently not the high priest, but he was the. Mo- like the most recent one, he's the honorary mm. honorary president of the school, and so they bring him before him first to like have this whole like questioning, so, initial questioning. Because Roman occupation, the 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 brilliant nature of Rome's rule, would mm-hmm. they would leave indigenous structures up so you could still worship your god, yes. have your structures, but those structures had no real power, right? So. Annas is a high priest. He was a high priest. Now he's an honorary high priest. Because Rome had deposed him. Right, because Rome put in <laughs> a high priest that was probably more politically... Well, they put up his sons and his and right. Caiaphas, who, who is his son-in-law. So that's there's, sometimes there's confusion about who's who. So they go first to the guy who's kind of like a little bit toothless, yeah. but still recognized by the people, oh, as a high priest, because the people are thinking, yeah. we value priests. They yeah. speak for God. So that's where they take him, and this is where the miscarriage of justice all begins. And we get like a, we get an interesting thing. So we believe it's John. It says um, Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. And since that disciple was known to the high priest, he was actually able to enter with Jesus into the court of the high priest, and he sets Peter up with inside the inner court, right? And hooks him up with the servants, and is like, "They'll take care of you." Uh, just wait here. So, you know, in every church or every group of friends, you have people who are lawyers or doctors or politics. You have people mm-hmm. who maybe are in the culture. They're a little more powerful. Mm-hmm. John is one who has access to these places. Like, he can get you courtside yeah. to the magic game. Yeah. And so... But Peter's not used to this treatment. Like, when, when I went to uh, I went to courtside to a magic NBA basketball game several mm-hmm. years ago, and we got to sit right there, and I was, like, not used to it. I was definitely country mouse. <laughs> what? We get free popcorn? Yeah. Yeah, so I ate way too much popcorn. Peter's mm-hmm. kind of out of his league here, already feeling a little bit like, I'm just a normal fisherman. I'm not used to these things. And then it shows. And then they start accusing him, like, wait, aren't you also one of this man's disciples? Like, they saw John kind of set him up, and so, like... You you're with weird. you're with him, right? You're from Galilee, and and Jesus is like, what? No, 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 no. Peter's like, yeah. Oh, Peter, yeah, sorry. He's like, no, I. And he says the inverse of what Jesus said, yeah. which Jesus owns it, and he's like, I am He when they yes. accuse him, and he says, I am not. I am not Him. Yeah, no, I'm not Him. I am not. Right. And so it's a very cool literary juxtaposition of Peter and Jesus. Yeah. I, I like that. And, uh, and then we get the. Annas is now uh, questioning Jesus, and <clears throat> Jesus is kind of like, uh, have I not been with you this whole time? I've been speaking openly in the synagogues. This is why I love Jesus. I mean, one of the many reasons I love Jesus is he's being honest again. Yeah. Like, why don't you ask those? You have all these witnesses to what I said. I never said anything secretly. And this is when one of the officers in front of, we're still in front of Annas, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not even, you know, and, his power is honorary. Yeah. Uh, officer 
strikes Jesus with his hand. And Can says, you imagine? He's like, hits him, and he's like, is that how you talk to a high priest? Which is so ironic, right? You're talking to the high priest. We just heard the high priestly prayer. Like, yeah. this guy is going to be our <laughs> only high priest forever, and you just hit him in the face. Mm-hmm. But again, Jesus doesn't just, like, zap him. Like, he doesn't use his divine power to go, and, and, and I'll do another Indiana Jones reference where his face melts. Instead, he just goes, is what I said wrong? Then tell me what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And if I'm right, why do you strike me? And that's when Annas <laughs> is like, this isn't a normal person because a normal person would cry injustice, would try yeah. to record it on his phone and start a movement about high priestly <laughs> brutality. Yeah. Rightly so. And, um, but he doesn't. And Annas is like, okay, we're sending him to Caiaphas, the official high priest. Yeah. And that's where we end. And that's where we end. Man. Long day, but man, it's just packed. And uh, we These end, I guess I would just end by saying, man, Jesus is our true high priest. Thank you, God. Thanks for praying for us, Jesus. Thanks for protecting us and equipping us while in this world. But what was the line from chapter 16? In this world, you'll have tribulation. Oh, yeah. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Yes. All right. So today, I'm going to read Psalm chapter 68, verses 7 through 14. Oh, God, when you went out before your people... When you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain. Before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.